MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, July 23rd, 2021. Today, Senator Gillibrand's military sexual assault bill gets rolled into the NDAA for markup. Senators call on the FBI to answer questions about their Kavanaugh tip line. Tucker Carlson rants against a Capitol police officer resulting in racist attacks and death threats. The NFL sets some strict guidelines for vaccinations and COVID as the White House and health officials discuss revising mask guidance. And Chicago approves a civilian police oversight board. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. I'm going to be doing the news solo today, but Amy Carrero is going to be joining me at the end of the show for the good news block. And I'm going to have a very in-depth discussion with the former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, author of the book, The FBI Way, and host of the podcast, The Bureau, our friend Frank Figaluzzi. And we're going to discuss the Kavanaugh tip line thing that Senator Whitehouse is upset about. And that, uh, you know, what they're calling a a sham investigation into Kavanaugh. We're going to set the record straight on that. Uh, We do have a lot of news to drop today. Uh, It's been a long week. It's still July. Still waiting for some Gates news. (laughs) We're just uh, I'm I'm hearing rumors, but nothing solid yet. I, you know, I will keep you posted. I hope it doesn't happen as I'm recording this. But anyway, I appreciate the patience because it's we're getting along in July now. And again, I don't know if that Joel Greenberg request motion for continuance on his sentencing is going to push back anything on Gates. But we haven't heard anything, at least in the public reporting. So we do have a lot of stuff we have to talk about, though. Some news that did happen. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The lead story today is some inside news I have on the military sexual assault reform bill. As you all know, in 2012, a film came out, a documentary that was nominated for an Oscar. It was called The Invisible War, and it was about military sexual assault and military sexual trauma. And I was in that documentary. And right around the time that documentary came out, Senator Gillibrand began pushing for a law that would take the decision on whether to prosecute sexual assault out of the chain of command because of the multiple conflicts of interest. So what are those conflicts of interest? Well, first of all, the commander, if you command, let's say you're the commander of Naval Nuclear Power Training Command, and let's say you're the commander who who does prosecute all rape cases. It's going to look like you have far more sexual assaults on your base. So commanders can be looked over for promotions for that. You know, there's a lot of it. It, it looks bad, quote unquote. And so that's therein lies the conflict of interest. So what we were pushing for initially was that the decision as to whether or not to prosecute a sexual assault case be taken out of the military completely and put in civilian hands civilian prosecutors who are trained and understand special victims, stuff like that. Nobody supported that at first, back in the day, by the way. Instead, they instituted the sexual assault prevention and response, which failed miserably. They had awful programs, terrible victim-blaming campaigns, such as I remember watching a training video of a woman in her Navy uniform walking home to her barracks one night and some guy comes up and starts harassing her and and assaulting or touching her inappropriately. She kicks him, runs away, goes directly to, you know, the master arms, the the police, basically, and says, I need to file. I was assaulted. I need to file an assault report. And the first thing 
they ask her is, where was your buddy? Because they had instituted a buddy system, putting the onus on the survivors to prevent their own assaults, not to tell people not to assault people. They were just operating under this assumption that sexual assault and rape is kind of an occupational hazard. And so it's really up to you, you know. And then they had another campaign. And I swear to God, this was real. There's a poster with a, a guy on it in uniform. And it just says, ask her when she's sober. Like these absolutely ridiculous things. Now, not surprisingly, none of these helped either curb sexual assaults. And there weren't any additional prosecutions. Like they, they weren't starting to prosecute more, uh, which is kind of what they were looking for. So the number of sexual assaults went up. The number of prosecutions and convictions stayed the same. Massive failure. And that's just numbers from people who were reporting. That's another conflict of interest of having the commander in the chain of command. You don't you don't want to report. You could be retaliated against. The commander could hate you. You could have a target on your back. The commander could be the assailant. The commander could know the assailant. A lot of these things got brushed under the rug. So anyway, Recently, Joni Ernst came on board. She had experienced military sexual assault and she has a daughter at West Point who's having a hard time as well. So she came on board, not taking it completely out of the military, the decision to prosecute, but putting it out of the chain of command, at least with taking the commanders out of that decision making process and giving it to like each branch would have their own, almost like a DA's office at the Pentagon of very specially trained, highly trained prosecutors who understand the needs of, of survivors. So Joni Ernst came on board. Then Lloyd Austin was on board. Then the Biden Commission on Sexual Assault in the military came out. And that was also one of their recommendations. And Gillibrand had 66 senators signed on. So she's like, well, we can pass this now. This is great. This is bipartisan. Hoo-hoo. And so she called for a vote for unanimous consent. And a Democrat blocked it. Jack Reed who's on the Armed Services Committee. He wanted it to go through the NDAA, which is the National Defense Authorization Act. It lays out everything for the, you know, the military, veterans affairs, et cetera, annually. And so Gillibrand was upset by this because she was afraid it would go into that committee. It would get buried in committee. She wouldn't be able to get her bill, which is the MJIA. She wouldn't be able to get her Military Justice Improvement Act into the NDA. And if she did, they'd mark it all up, water it down. And this doesn't go into effect until the end of the year. We're also delaying. Meanwhile, people are getting sexually assaulted. Now, I'm happy to report that her bill in its entirety and all provisions therein have made it into the NDAA. I just wish that they could they could have done this a lot sooner. And there's going to be some more reporting, I think, on why it's not being done. Why doesn't just Schumer bring it to a vote? That's what's upsetting me. And we should be able to have more reporting on on why that's happening pretty soon. But interestingly, the NDA also now requires women to sign up for the draft. So that's happening as well. Also in the news today, Pelosi is considering adding Kinzinger to the January 6th commission after McCarthy pulled all his seditionist traitors off the committee. Pelosi's committee is also discussing adding former Republican representatives as advisors to the commission, like Riggleman, Denver Riggleman. <laughs> it's, I remember when we didn't know who representatives were. They were just, they're, they're, you know, I miss those days. But anyway, these are all anti-Trumpers, of course. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bipartisan committee. Uh, and I'm glad Pelosi vetoed. I'm, I don't care that McCarthy took his ball and went home. Fine. I'll have more on that committee as it takes shape. The first hearing is Tuesday, and Harry Dunn will be one of the four Capitol Police officers that were that, you know, was at the insurrection that will testify during that first hearing on the 27th. 
Dunn was called a liberal hack by Tucker Carlson on his program last night. And Dunn's lawyer, Mark Zayed, commented on Twitter today saying that in the past five months, Officer Dunn only received one hostile message. But since Tucker Carlson's monologue last night railing against him on Fox News, numerous vile and racist messages have been sent to Officer Dunn, many specifically citing Carlson. He then says, Zayed says he's seen this before when he was repping the IC whistleblower. Remember the IC whistleblower? And how death threats didn't arise for that whistleblower until Tucker Carlson, Ingram, Hannity, Levin, and Limbaugh all made statements about the whistleblower. And one of those people that was sending death threats to that whistleblower was just prosecuted and sentenced to a year in jail. He finishes his Twitter thread by saying, quote, if anything happens to Officer Dunn, Sergeant Gunnell, or other officers who testify on Tuesday or their families, safe bet direct line of responsibility can be pointed to right-wing pundits like Tucker Carlson and Fox News. Words matter. So we might be seeing some sort of civil suit or even federal prosecution. And like what happened to the person who threatened, get you know, sent death threats to the IC whistleblower. And in COVID news, hats off to the NFL, who has released a memo today about the season schedule. This is from CNN here. If the National Football League game cannot be rescheduled and is canceled due to COVID-19 among unvaccinated players, that team will have to forfeit and will be credited with a loss. That's what the NFL said in their league-wide memo. The rule, the new rule, makes being unvaccinated a competitive disadvantage. All part of the league's push to get players and staff inoculated ahead of the coming season. The NFL has also said that any team that vaccinates 85% of its players and staff can relax their safety protocols and has applied looser rules to vaccinated players. Quote, if a game cannot be rescheduled within the current 18-week schedule and is canceled due to COVID, a COVID outbreak among non-vaccinated players on one of the competing teams, the club with the outbreak forfeits the contest and will be deemed to have played 16 games for purposes of draft, waiver priority, etc. For the purposes of playoff seating, the forfeiting team will be credited with a loss and the other team will be credited with a win. In addition, if the game is postponed and cannot be rescheduled, players from both teams will not receive their salaries. The memo also states the teams with the outbreak will be responsible for any additional expenses incurred by the opposing team. These are harsh rules and awesome. The NFL's new rules are likely to cause issues with players who remain hesitant about getting a vaccine, like good old Cole Beasley from the Bills, who said in a series of tweets in May that he'd rather retire than get vaccinated. K-bye. And on Thursday, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins tweeted and then deleted, never thought I would say this, but being put in a position to hurt my team because I don't want to partake in the vaccine is making me question my future in the NFL. Okay, bye. The NFL's four-page memo is broken down into sections on medical principles, competitive principles, and financial principles. The competitive section says that the league does not anticipate adding an extra week to the season to accommodate games that are rescheduled. We're not going to add a week to the season to accommodate you for not being vaccinated and getting sick. The memo also differentiates between outbreaks among unvaccinated and vaccinated people and indicates that an outbreak among unvaccinated people will be seen less favorably. Quote, if a game is canceled, postponed because a club cannot play due to a COVID spike among or resulting from its non-vaccinated players and staff, then the burden of the cancellation or delay will fall on the club experiencing the COVID infection. We will seek to minimize the burden of the opposing club or clubs. If a club cannot play due to a COVID spike in vaccinated individuals, we will attempt to minimize the competitive and economic burden on both participating teams. With teams starting to report for training camp, the NFL saw an increase in COVID vaccination rates around the league this week, with 14 of the 32 NFL teams having reached the above 85% threshold. The NFL has also reported 78% of the players around the league have received at least one shot, 
an increase over 4% from last week. 4% to 78%. Take note, federal government. All teams around the league are now above the 50% vaccine threshold uh, after previously having two teams last week with less than half their players vaccinated. And in a related story from the Washington Post today, top White House aides and Biden administration officials are debating whether they should urge vaccinated Americans to wear masks in more settings as the Delta variant causes spikes. And that's according to six people, six people familiar with those discussions. These are preliminary talks and their result could be as simple as new messaging from top White House officials. But some of the talks include officials at the CDC who are separately examining whether to update their masking guidance, according to a Biden administration aide and a federal health official. Of course, the Republicans are going to say, oh, you said no mask. Now you're saying mask again because they don't understand that things change and time is linear. So get ready for that bullshit. Officials cautioned that any new formal guidance would have to come from the CDC, and they maintain that the White House has taken a hands-off approach with, with the agency to ensure they're not interfering with the work of scientists. What? But the high-level discussions reflect rising concerns among the administration about the threat of the Delta variant and a renewed focus on what measures they may need to you know, have to reintroduce to slow the spread. And I love this. Chicago's local government approved the creation of a civilian police oversight board with the power to make changes to the budget. <laughs> the seven-member group approved by both the city council and Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Wednesday will have the power to issue two-thirds votes of no confidence against police superintendents or board members. The oversight body, which is being called the first of its kind, will also recommend changes to the budget for the Chicago PD. With the passage of this historic legislation, we have truly marked a significant milestone in our mission of bringing further transparency to our police department and its accountability agencies. That was Lori Lightfoot. Before I even became mayor, she said, I promised on the campaign trail to pave a pathway for civilian oversight of the police. And today I'm proud to be able to deliver on that promise. In February 2023, Chicago residents will vote on members of the oversight board and quote, the candidates in each district receiving the greatest, second greatest and third greatest number of votes will assume office on the first Tuesday in May. Prior to the recent development, the city employed the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, which conducts investigations into officer-involved shootings and other matters. The new oversight board will have the power to appoint an administrator or remove someone from the investigative group. Alderman Matt Martin called the move the strongest civilian oversight law in the country. So this is pretty great. Other cities, take note. And we'll have a great pilot here to study and look at, see how it goes in Chicago. All right, I'll be right back with Frank Figlusi to discuss the time story about the FBI investigation into Kavanaugh. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Beans. Acne breakouts always happen at the worst times, right before a wedding, right before senior pictures, blah. But my secret weapon is Apostrophe. Apostrophe is the prescription skincare company with science-backed oral and topical medications. Science-backed, yay, science. These are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist and not a, not someone who board-certified themselves like Rand Paul, like an actual board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that's perfectly tailored for your skin. You just fill out Apostrophe's quick online quiz about your skin goals and medical history, take a few quick selfies, and your dermatologist will create you a customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats acne, but they also help with other skincare goals like reducing redness, uh, reducing those fine lines and wrinkles, and even dark spots. I love Apostrophe because I get a real dermatologist. My plan is tailored just for me. It takes minutes. Submitting for my visit was quick. I didn't even need to schedule an appointment. And I didn't have to go to the pharmacy and wait in line to get my meds. They sent them directly to my house. And we have a special deal for you. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist, making your visit only $5 at apostrophe.com slash beans when you use code beans. This code is only available to you. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash beans, click begin visit, 
Then use our code BEANS at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash beans. And then use that code BEANS to get your dermatology visit and save $15. And thanks to Apostrophe for sponsoring the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So the FBI said some of the 4,500 tips it received about Kavanaugh were given to the Trump White House, leading some Democrats to call the process a quote unquote sham. And joining me to discuss is former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence and host of the podcast, The Bureau, Frank Figluzzi. Frank, welcome. AG, anytime you want to come on, have me come on and talk about a sham, I'm here. I'm here for you. (laughs) I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get your perspective because you know so much about the Bureau. Uh, You know, that's an understatement. Um, You, In fact, of all the people I know, you know the most. And this Times reporting is saying that in a letter dated June 30th to two senators, White House and Coons, and FBI Assistant Director Jill Tyson, who we know, said the most relevant of the 4,500 tips the agency received during the investigation into Kavanaugh's past were referred to White House lawyers in the Trump administration whose handling of them remains unclear. And Senator Whitehouse is very upset by this. He said in response that the FBI basically ran a fake tip line that never got properly reviewed that was presumably not even conducted in good faith. And I wanted to know what your top line reaction was to this story today. Well, your, your listeners probably can't see me uh, banging my head against the desk here, but uh, that's what I'm doing. And I'm doing it in response to the approach that, sh- that Senator uh, Whitehouse, who I have respect for, is taking on this issue. Let's start from the beginning, as they say, a little primer on how the FBI conducts background investigations and, and more specifically in the Kavanaugh case, reinvestigations of a background that's already been done. Here's the thing. Unlike anything else the FBI does, this type of investigation, which is called a spin for those who are really nerdy and want to know acronyms endlessly about the FBI, SPIN stands for Special Inquiry. All right. So these special inquiries that are done for White House level nominees are neither fish nor fowl. They are neither criminal investigations, nor are they counterintelligence investigations. Also, unlike anything else the FBI does, guess what? They have a client in this matter that is not the American people. No, they're not working for the American people when they do a reinvestigation or a background investigation. They are working for a client, in this case, the White House. And you might say, where does that come from? What do you mean? They're they're like PIs? They're like private investigators for the White Yes, they are. And it's all about a a memorandum of understanding, an MOU that goes back years and says, hey, uh, when when we ask you to do something for a nominee and give us all the dirt, that's just for us. You're not working for the American people. You're working for us. Don't tell anybody else what you find. Just give it to us. And even worse in the Kavanaugh case, A.G., The White House, the client, can establish the parameters, the scope of a reinvestigation. So in the Kavanaugh case, it appears that they went back to the FBI and and they said, hey, we know this guy's a federal judge a couple times over and you've done backgrounds on him already. So we just want you to open up, to reopen that old background. And we want you to just interview these people. One, two, three, four. But don't interview these people. Just do this, not that. And then tell us what you find. Now, that's what happened here. I don't like it. You don't like it. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse doesn't like it. 
And guess what? I don't think the FBI likes it either. You know why I think that? In an unprecedented fashion, they opened a tip line. They've never, by their own admission, they've never done this before for a background investigation. They opened tip lines for insurrections, for 9-11, for the Unabomber, but they don't do it to investigate a Supreme Court justice. What do I glean from that? They were not happy with this situation. And that tip line was kind of like, oh, yeah, you're going to tell us what we can and can't investigate? We're going to open a tip line and then we're going to give you 4,500 tips and have a nice day with that mm. if we can't act on them. That's what I think is going on here. There's an easy fix for that, for this, which we can talk about. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, when I got my job at the VA, for example, or when I got my secret clearance to be to go to Naval Nuclear Power Training Command, FBI ran a background check on me. The client was the Navy. The client was the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, and and so actually, I think it's a, it's its own office within the VA that does that. But certainly for the secret clearance. So, yeah, they they and then they give that information to the agency and the agency makes the decision. So it feels to me like the blame, the anger should be pointed to the White House for not right. doing anything about this, much like when the GAO makes a recommendation that Kellyanne Conway should, uh, has violated the Hatch Act and the White House does nothing with it. And that's kind of where I, how I feel that this is should be handled, particularly. Now, you know, we all wished that the FBI could have opened a, a predicated criminal investigation into Kavanaugh's past, but that's not what they were told to do. Yeah, I'm not to, to even take this to almost an illogical extreme. I'm not even sure that they could if they came upon federal criminal violations. I, I don't know what they'd have to do with this I, when when it's for their client and they can only tell their client. There might be a lot of people going, well, OK, you know, the FBI is following the rules and, you know, we're not happy with that. I, I assert we do really want our nation's premier law enforcement agency with all the authority and power they have to, to follow the rules. I, I know that some people would have loved Chris Ray to go hold a press conference and go, we're being handcuffed. We can't do what we want. We want to break away from the rules. That would have immediately caused even more damage to the FBI than, than has already been done by previous administrations. But here's here's the fix here. Instead of Senator Whitehouse going after the FBI and calling this a sham tip line and I, they did they lied to us just just fix the MOU like this go to somebody needs to go to Biden and say hey Joe um when you want when you're nominating all these judges and eventually hopefully someday you'll nominate somebody to the Supreme Court um, are you okay with the FBI actually doing whatever following any lead they think they need to follow is that is that okay with you? And he might say, yeah, yeah, actually, I do want that kind of comprehensive investigation. And then you change your MOU and you're done. But instead, we get all this drama. Hmm. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, like you uh, suggested, that if the client, the White House, you know, wants this reopened and the background check and they want these limits, because I remember when this happened and the White House was putting limits on what could be done in this investigation. And we were all pissed at the White House for a minute. We were all holding hands and, and being angry at the at the narrowing of the scope of this investigation, quote unquote, which is really, like you said, just a spin. We were mad at the right people. And now it's the same. I mean, this isn't new. It's just a new, it's a new framing of who to be angry with. And, and I imagine that the FBI, like you said, 
even if they've got a tip on that hotline that could be a, a predicate to open a criminal investigation, that they wouldn't be able to do that. It could be against the Constitution, out of the MOU. It would certainly be outside the the, the rules and protocols. I, I don't know, but I know this. I, I got initially, way back when, I even wrote a column on this whole issue for MSNBC Daily back during the Kavanaugh uh, proceedings. Yep, I remember. During this thing, I got on TV pretty quickly and I went, this is what the FBI is best at. I, this is great that the reinvestigation is being open. They can, I go, man, they, they can go to Yale. They can find the dorm records, the residence hall records of who was where in his dorm and what parties. And man, they can, they can go to town. The FBI is great at this. And then I talked to somebody who was in the know, we'll say, back in Washington, who said, Frank, um, you, you're forgetting something about reinvestigations and the client rule and the MOU. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> they went, we can't, Frank, we, we can't do this. I go, oh, sh-. and then, then I wrote that column. So, yeah. yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah. And I mean, I have some more questions because you're the first person to hold the Bureau accountable when they mess up. And I want to talk about a recent instance of that that you talked about and you commented on, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? I will. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Allison Gill for The Daily Beans. I have a great podcast recommend for you. It's called The Times Weekday Mornings. The story begins in California. The Times, which is the daily news podcast from the Los Angeles Times, gives you a West Coast perspective on the story shaping policy and opinion around the country. Join host Gustavo Ariano and a diverse range of voices every weekday morning as they cover critical issues like only a team reporting from California can. From immigration to income inequality, climate change to racial justice, nativism to technology, The Times explores the contradictions and hard truths of the Golden State and the nation through a West Coast perspective. And I know you'll enjoy the unique stories and the news in-depth coverage as much as I do. Through interviews and original stories, The Times, Daily News from the LA Times, is the podcast you need to understand the world and how California shapes it. If there's an issue in California, let's be fair, it's coming to you. (laughs) Chances are it'll be in your town soon. So you can expect award-winning reporting and hard-hating investigations. And LA eccentricity is my favorite from the biggest newspaper west of the Mississippi. New episodes of The Times are available every weekday. To listen and subscribe, go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for The Times, Daily News from the LA Times. And today's show is brought to you by Blue Blocks. Blot. I think I said blot to you by Blue Blocks, which I like. I'm wearing mine right now. They are so amazing and so awesome because I was getting watery eyes and fatigue staring at my screens all day. I would get headaches. I would get tired and sore eyes. It would make me tired. But I found the solution to my blue light blues. And the answer is Blue Blocks. They have a variety of amazing glasses designed to solve specific problems. I got the blue light computer glasses with clear lenses for headaches, sore eyes, digital strain, watery eyes, and fatigue. They're easy to use. Just wear my blue light computer glasses during the day when I'm looking at screens or under artificial light. They also have glasses with lenses to help with migraines, stress, anxiety, and low mood, poor sleep, fatigue, low energy, and jet lag. They have everything. And Blue Blocks' stylish frames have been featured in GQ magazine and Vogue, so they look great. I love mine. And their science-backed technology is tested to ensure they actually work. They've helped me so immensely. I had no idea how much my eyes were straining until I started wearing them. I highly recommend them for anyone who stares at screens with glasses for every need. Blue Blocks glasses come in non-prescription, prescription, and reading options, too. They also have low blue light bulbs, which are great, and red light therapy devices, and 100% blackout sleep masks, which I love, all backed by science. Yay, science. Blue Blocks ship worldwide in rapid time, and they always have easy returns and exchanges. 
So go to blueblocks.com slash dailybeans. Use coupon code dailybeans, all one word, to save 15% off. That's blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash dailybeans. And don't forget coupon code dailybeans to save 15%. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to the host of the Bureau podcast, former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, Frank Fagaluzzi. And Frank, before the break, I had mentioned that you are the first person usually uh, to that I see on social media and and, you know, on the news programs calling out the FBI when they uh, mess up. It's part of your book, The FBI Way, talking about accountability. It's ingrained in you as a former bu- member of the Bureau. And talk a little bit. About, there was a recent uh, case that that you stepped up and said this was they botched this. And, and so we'll talk about that a little. Yes, indeed. So really, really disturbing is the case involving uh, USA Women's Gymnastics. And of course, we've we've heard this now almost ad nauseum, but there's a new there's a new twist that's developed here. And that is, of course, that Dr. Larry Nasser, uh, physician to the women's gymnastics team, had been molesting um, multiple U.S. Uh, gymnasts for, for a long period of time. And it's come out recently through release, uh, at least in part, of a Department of Justice Office of Inspector General report on the FBI's role in this. It's come out that they mishandled the early um, allegations from family members about family members being the families of the gymnasts. And mishandled is kind of a polite word. I'm going to be more honest with you. I'm very concerned um, about what was going on, particularly at FBI Indianapolis, as referenced in um, the IG report. The IG was so concerned that there appears to have been a criminal referral um, of, of, of at least one FBI official, um, likely out of Indianapolis. And so um, I'm concerned about reports in the inspector general's report that a for, the, the former head former being a key word, perhaps, of the Indianapolis FBI office uh, may have been offered a job with the U.S. Olympic Committee, um, that there may have been other um, um, too close relationships between um, FBI agents and USA Gymnastics, uh, which I I think is headquartered in Indiana, thereby the the relationship there. Hmm. Um, And then it goes further in that family members then went to FBI Los Angeles um, because um, either either certain gymnasts were were residing there or violations had occurred there, and and FBI LA did more. They they actually did investigative work, um, but at the end of the day, no one told the local authorities in Michigan where Nasser was, and it turned out that this case was broken open by a, a female detective for uh, University of Michigan, I believe, police department. Okay, so what's wrong with this picture? Um, one is, for a long time, we've been under the, at least I've been under kind of the impression that there were serious jurisdictional issues here for the FBI. Like, okay, I get it. Um, Maybe this doctor isn't traveling. Inter- the federal law here is really tough, um, AG. You got to show that someone's traveling for the purpose of having sex with a minor. So as this doctor to the team is traveling around the country with them, you'd have to actually prove that he's doing so because he wants to have sex. Well, he's doing so because he's assigned to the team. So I can get that agents and U.S. attorneys would go, boy, this is going to be a tough federal case. Fantastic. We can argue that all day. At the end of the day... <laughs> Some people are getting molested actively 
And the thing to do, if you can't figure out your jurisdiction, is call somebody who has jurisdiction, which would be the local authorities. And so that appears to never have been done. I find that incredibly disturbing. And once again, we get the FBI director. This, by the way, this did not happen under Chris Ray, as far as, as far as I can tell. But Chris Ray coming out in a statement going, pretty much, yeah, we kind of we screwed this up. And guess what? We've got new rules of the road now. What should the rules of the road be? Well, this should be a no-brainer. If people, if if minors are being actively molested, um, stop it. Get get to the police and do something about it. And let's not get concerned about you know who knows whom and who's been offered a job and whether there's federal jurisdiction. Yeah, I I had a very similar feeling today. But the new NDAA came out and it's going to include Senator Gillibrand's language for the uh, reforming military sexual assault, which I'm very happy about. But meanwhile, every day people are getting raped in the military and Jack Reed wants it to go through committee and go through markup. And, you know, we're sitting waiting around for this to happen. And, And honestly, we've been waiting decades but you know it's it we, we had 66 senators to support it and he objected a democrat objected to it so now it's going through the ndaa process and meanwhile we're sitting here and, and these things are continuing to happen and it's and and apparently there's some sort of information that there's some top senators who don't want to upset each other and that's why they're not bringing it to the floor for a full vote as its own bill and meanwhile you know, like you said, there is something going on that needs to be stopped immediately. And, and you're delaying it over these kinds of really lame considerations. It's just it's ex- incredibly frustrating. I want to ask you about, you know, I think these when the FBI messes up, you call it out when they don't. I don't think it's fair to call it out. This has been happening a lot lately. We got to see a lot of people on social media calling for Ray to resign and calling for Garland to resign and I feel like this is detrimental to our national security, to our democracy. We need to support these institutions, but we also need to push back when we think they've done something wrong. What is the best way to do that, to push back, to say, hey, Garland, I think you should release the second half of that Bill Barr memo. Hey, Ray, I think you should come out and do a press conference and tell us where you are on the insurrection as much as you can, et cetera, et cetera. How do we push back as citizens, but maintain the necessary supportive institutions to keep our democracy afloat? What, what a great question and, and what a timely question. And look, we've come through the last four years where our, as you know, and your listeners know, our institutions were harangued, attacked, eroded every single day and the career professionals in them. We, we've come through a time where an FBI director was fired essentially for investigating uh, the, the president and refusing to pledge loyalty to the president. If we get into a mindset, if we allow that mindset to take us over, where you can just fire FBI directors outside of their 10-year term, where you can demand people leave um, and harangue institutions, be really careful because you're going to get what you asked for, which is um, institutions that no longer mean nothing and don't stand for the rule of law and the Constitution, but rather stand for political whim and partisanship which is the worst thing that could happen to DOJ and the FBI. And, and some would say it's, it's already happened and we're just trying to recover. Um, so where's the balance? Okay, this is, this is where the, it's the hard part, right? The hard part is get smart. Do not accept the rantings or opinions of, of people who tweeted out or screamed for somebody's head, but rather 
in my, so, uh, you know, we just talked about the Larry Nasser case with USA Gymnast, Gymnastics. It took me a while, but I had to read the IG report. You know, who, who does that? How many times do you and I actually tweet something? We immediately get a response from a follower and it's quite clear. They never read what we posted. They never read the attachment, right? I read, 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 get smart and develop your own opinion that is uh, based on the facts. And then you can scream and holler. Then you have the absolute license to, to scream for someone's head when the facts dictate that. I don't think we're there yet for Garland or for Ray. Uh, you know, people might say I disagree, but on the Kavanaugh thing, the, the, they were following the rules. They set up this thing is almost funny. They set up this tip line, which they've never. I think that was a message like, OK, OK, yeah, yeah we won't investigate, but we will accept tips. And then we're going to hand you 4000 of them. And you, yeah, you do what you need to do with them. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like when, you know, somebody subpoenas somebody for some records and you end up with 8,000 boxes in your office, you know, here you go. Yeah. Have fun. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, now, what should be the remedy here? Okay. Aside, we talked about fix, fixing the MOU. Yeah, great. Yeah. But now there's 4,500 tips sitting where? In some file at the White House or still at the FBI? How about so the Senate, the House, the White House? going, you know what? It's in the public interest. Now, think about the, the brouhaha this would cause. Oh, my God. You're talking about a sitting a sitting Supreme Court justice, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get them out. Let's go ahead. Let's let's give them give them to Congress or. <laughs> oh, no. Or give them to the give them to the court reform. Yeah, commission. Yeah. Give them, you know. Or give them give them to DOJ for criminal analysis. If there's if any of those tips amounted to a criminal referral against Kavanaugh. Oh, my God. Right. We'd be attacking the the poster boy for conservative uh, justices. Mm. What a what a mess. Indeed, it is. And again, the only way to get rid of a Supreme Court justice is through impeachment. So we're kind of back to square one because you're going to need two thirds of the Senate. And do you really think (laughs) do you really think now? I suppose you could indict him. I've I've never seen. Have we ever had a Supreme Court justice? We've had federal judges indicted, right? What happens? Do they yeah. do they get booted? Do they resign? I, can they stay on their post if they're indicted? We certainly have criminal congressmen and governors. Yeah, there there have been federal justices impeached. Excuse me, not justices, judges impeached. Yeah, it, it had removed, censored. Yeah, absolutely. Um, does anyone have the appetite right now for that? Is Garland the guy to to push that hard? Uh, the White House counsel? I I don't know, but. I now know, as you do, there's over 4,000 tips on, on Kavanaugh sitting somewhere. And I don't think they should just go into a black hole. Agreed. Well, thank you very much. Tell everyone where they can find you, your pod, your book. My website is uh, frankfigluzzi.com. That's an easy one. The Twitter account is frankfigluzzi, at frankfigluzzi1. And my book, which is still doing well, and it's about these topics and the FBI, it's called The FBI Way. You can get that anywhere you buy your books. And most of all, as you know, The Bureau with Frank Figluzzi is a podcast um, we've launched back in May. It's doing really well. We have an unprecedented feature, which is every week we talk to an active duty FBI employee about their life, their mission, their cases. Awesome. It is such a great show. I love it. Thank you very much. And we'll have you uh, back again soon when when maybe maybe when we see what happens with those 4,500 tips. <laughs> I appreciate your time. Frank. Thanks. Thanks, AG. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, all. It's AG for the beans. 
I love when a sponsor is all about quality and responsibility and sustainability. And that's why I'm so glad this segment of the show is brought to you by Bull & Branch, a company whose mission is to produce the highest quality sheets on the market and make the world a better place in the process. Founded in 2014 by husband and wife team Scott and Missy Tannen, Bowl & Branch partners with family-owned businesses that align with the same values and standards. Their ultra-soft organic sheets are transparently sourced and produced in safe, fair conditions with toxin-free processes and fair trade certification to ensure workers are paid fair living wages. My Bowl & Branch sheets look and feel so awesome. Oh, they're so, so, so perfect. These are my favorite sheets. The ultra-refined luxe fabric has this spectacular drape. It's got a silken feel, which I love. Bowlin Branch has an incredible variety of the most high-quality sheets. Their buttery, soft, lightweight, 100% organic cotton sateen weave is the best. It's perfect for all seasons, and it comes in a variety of colors and in all sizes, from twin beds up to California kings. So to experience the best sheets you've ever felt, choose Bowlin Branch. You can try them worry-free for 30 nights with free shipping and returns. Their customer service is amazing. And listeners get an exclusive 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at bowlandbranch.com. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch.com, and use promo code DAILYBEANS. And today's show is also brought to you by Ewe Life, the absolute best way to get omega-3s. This year, I'm really focusing on my nutrition. I'm really trying. I'm trying to boost my overall health. I've tried all the omega-3s on the market, and my favorite by far is Ewe. Ewe's secret is algae. It's a whole nother level than fish oil. Fish get their omega-3s from algae, so Ewe goes right to the source. You skip the nasty fish taste. It's amazing. Iwi's proprietary form of algae leads to 50% more absorption too, which is the world's highest absorption of any source of omega-3. Iwi's patented formula goes right to your bloodstream for more absorption, more health benefits. It's awesome. And in a clinical study, Iwi cholesterol helped reduce bad VLDL cholesterol by 25% on average in just three months. 25% reduced VLDL cholesterol. That's amazing. Plus, all of Iwi's products are plant-based and their algae is sustainably farmed, which is very important to us. And it's all sustainably farmed in the U.S. So if you're trying to live a more healthy lifestyle, you've got to add Iwi to your self-care supplements to support your heart, brain, vision, and overall wellness. It is never too late or never too early to start taking Iwi. So go to iwilife.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans to save 30% off your first purchase. Take advantage of this limited time offer today. iwilife.com, that's I-W-I-L-I-F-E.com slash dailybeans. And use code DAILYBEANS for 30% off your first purchase. ewelife.com slash dailybeans and code dailybeans. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. Happy Friday, everyone. And it's Friday, and that means joining me today for the good news is Amy Carrero. Hi, Amy. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We're almost evening here on the East Coast. Ah, that's right. You're in Boston. Boston. I'm, I'm almost, I almost have the accent. And by almost, I mean I don't have it at all. It, it gets crossed over <laughs> with New York. It's very embarrassing, but maybe it'll come out. <laughs> and then you start slipping into Miami a little. <laughs> oh, it's a mess. Just a mess. You should do the, like, find the accent of the Miami girl who has moved to Boston oh, and has lived there uh, for a while. That's, that, you know what? That's going to be like a like a real deep dive method study that I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on it. It's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. For some sort of Saturday Night Live character when you when you send your packet in. Right. <laughs> uh, so we have a lot of really uh, interesting good news stories and stuff today and good submissions. And if you have anything you want to send, especially corrections, I haven't gotten any corrections in a long time. Because you're perfect. I know. 
No, I know I'm screwing up. I think people are just too forgiving. <laughs> but if you have anything that you want to send in, uh, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And today I'm going to kick us off with a submission here from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. I've always had mixed feelings about my birthday. Same. Mm, girl, me too. Yep. There was always so much expectation to have a good time that they tended to be a letdown. Yes. I've also never been one to enjoy the spotlight. I kind of do enjoy the spotlight. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm an actor, <laughs> so. <laughs> put it on me. Yeah, put it. Birthday cards in the mail and time with the fam was just more of my jam. Yesterday, I hit the big 4-2. Now I can say I'm in my 40s. It was the first birthday in a long time where I didn't feel depressed, which usually stemmed from reflecting on my life. I finally felt at peace instead of comparing myself to others and wishing I had what they had. I have so much. My partner who loves me unconditionally, a home, a nice car, a steady career. Yes. This feeling of being comfortable in my own skin has partly to do with age and a lot of therapy. I can finally see that it's okay to celebrate me. I love that. Ooh, I can't wait for me to hit that. And 42 is such a good, I mean, it's the answer to life, the universe and everything. If you're into Douglas Adams, Mm -hmm. it's a great number to be. I loved my 42. I thought it was absolutely wonderful. But yeah, you know, the longer you have to be in that therapy, the better things get later on. Hell yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Into it. I can't wait for mine. Okay, next up, we got anonymous pronouns he him. Long time listener, first time comment. The most recent episode added a new game, misused slash misheard idioms. I teach a course on the psychology of language, even though it's not my main topic of research, and I have a name for both misheard idioms and song lyrics. The word you're looking for is malafor, an idiom yes. or aphorism mashup, if you will, as in I'll burn that bridge when I cross it <laughs> or shooting ducks in a barrel. I love the Mondegreens, too. As a parent, nothing is more humbling than hearing the lyrics of a song you loved as a kid with fresh ears around a pair or two of even fresher ones and realizing with horror that the tune you were singing along to is not at all appropriate. So keep up the game, whether you're hearing Taylor Swift singing Starbucks Lovers. I mean, it could work as Starbucks Lovers or Jimi Hendrix excusing himself before he kisses this guy. I always enjoy hearing them. Same, same. Yes. Malifor is the word I was looking for. My favorite Malifor happens to be one that I came up with which is, Amy, it's um, people who live in glass houses shouldn't go balls to the wall. Oh, that's oh, just... God, that's a good one, though. It makes sense also. I like yeah, it. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah, yeah well, balls are weird. Nobody ever needs to see. No, uh, never, ever, especially <laughs> smashed up against a window. Mm-mm. No, we don't want to. No, no. The only appropriate thing is when you have a, a like a glass tabletop and a kitty sits on it and you can see their smashed little peats. <laughs> I'm OK with that. <laughs> That's the only okay the that. only genitals I want to see smashed on glass. Thanks so much. <laughs> I have rules about genitals smashed <laughs> yes. on glass I'd like to go over with you. Do you have a moment? Next up from Lola Gale. Hello, Lola. I love Lola. Pronoun she and her. Greetings, you wonderful humans. I was inspired by the new gang name game, mm-hmm. and I thought I would throw a few suggestions out there. I went a little outside the box and decided to suggest names for the entire gang. Nice. I did add one at the end for Ted Cruz's beard just for fun. <laughs> All right. We got the Orange Crush Posse, the Growlers. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jade Helm Badger Squad. <laughs> <laughs> 
The khaki lackeys. Oh, that's my favorite. And devil's dental floss. Ugh. Awesome. Ugh. Yeah. So gross. As as pet tax, I'm including his royal oh. highness Gray Skull. I wanted oh. this kitten, by the way. When when these 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 COVID kitties were born, I wanted Gray Skull. Yeah, Gray Skull. He's a Judgey McJudgerson, as you can see. Also submitted is this melted popsicle named Pork Chop. Keep up the great work, y'all. Oh. Yeah, her her COVID, her quarantine wow. kitty had five boys. All boys. Oh my God. Beautiful, beautiful little babies. Oh, the last <laughs> one to melted. Oh, so cute. Um, okay, next up we got Steve, pronouns he him. I have some proud boy code names. Turnip, Double Bagel Bob, <laughs> Bull Weevil, New Kevin, Linda. New Kevin. <laughs> Just Linda. <laughs> one o- one o'clock Doug. And Zima Jr. Zima, no, not Zima. Zima Jr. Please enjoy a photo of Ralphie. Doctor at Ralphie underscore hopscotch sugar britches. (laughs) My girlfriend's grand dog and best fella. Whoa. That's a human being in a dog. What a baby. That is a handsome boy. Oh, Steve, I want to know why one o'clock Doug. In fact, do me a favor because nicknames happen for a reason, right? You get a nickname because... Something happened at one o'clock with Doug. And so that's how one o'clock Doug right, got started. Right. Steve, if you get a chance, I would like to know how these Proud yes. Boys got their nicknames. Yes, that's um, a really good one. I want to know what's up with Linda. I mean, that's that's yeah. my that's my question. Uh, does is Linda OK? Uh, what happened? I just need to know. like is her real name Melissa? And they and right. They just right. They hated that. Linda. Or maybe it was Brenda. <laughs> And or maybe it was Karen. And she was like, no, I don't want to be the Karen of the group. I want to be the Linda. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Love it. All right. Next up from anonymous pronouns. He and him. My best friend's parents are from Ethiopia. He used to make up fake idioms and just shrug and say, I don't know what that means. It's just something my dad says. They usually didn't make any sense at all. But one kind of did. And this is it. Sure, you could fish for yak. But who would be your first mate? So now, yak fishing for us is shorthand for dude. I'll be there even when you're doing stuff the dumb way. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's great. That is so great. Yak I fishing. Love I love idioms from other countries. Yes. Like when I when I took German, you know, we would learn these these, you know, we have stuff like working like a dog, et yes. cetera, et cetera. They have stuff, too. Like in Germany, there's. They have one that says, save not the goat and the cabbage. What? She is the devil's sock. Whoa. Yeah. Just like, what is that even supposed to mean? It's very confusing for non-native speakers, but always interesting nonetheless. And I always like to take German tongue twisters because they're much easier to say in English. (laughs) Oh, man, I love it. In, In Spanish, there are a few, too. Like when you would like if somebody was and some of them are food related. So if you were to meet like just a very sweet person, just like a warm soft sweet person you would say they're un pedazo de pan which is like they're a piece of bread which makes no sense and then my favorite one is if you meet someone who's kind of like just not very interesting kind of boring you would call them a papa sin sal which means a potato without salt or you can say huevo sin sal which is egg without salt who wants that no one wants that do you remember judge marilyn million nope 
No, I, I can't remember if she was Cuban or not, but she there was a Milian phrase, is a Cuban last name for sure. Because there was a phrase that her she would use in court all the time. And her dad would always say <laughs> I asked because my friend Sonia and I were on. No way. No, we were on Judge Christine. We were on Judge Christine. Wait, about what? I, we Min- have to go back into that. But yeah, <laughs> so what, I'm like, what were you talking about? I'll have to ask Sonia if I, if I can get clearance to talk about okay. it. I mean, I guess it was on television. But <laughs> yeah, so the, the phrase was, I guess, since if she's Cuban, it was a common Cuban phrase that the cheap often comes out more expensive do you know what i'm talking about? yes oh yeah i know it exactly it's um oh shit wait i uh, i'm gonna get this before we finish today um okay <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i'll look it up i'll look it up um okay wait okay yes okay all right well, i'm gonna think about it next up all right brandon <laughs> pronouns he him hello all my wife and i listen to the daily beans when we drive in the car together it's a wonderful and entertaining way to stay informed of the goings-on i am excited to relay some good news my wife and i have been married for just over 15 years wow we've never had an opportunity to take a vacation together just us we had children early in our marriage and between work and parental obligations we never found the time in late 2019 we planned a wonderful trip to see Washington and Oregon and visit all the national wonders of the Northwest. We live just outside of D.C. and have always wanted to visit the Northwest. Well, as you well know, COVID happened and canceled the vacation plans. Now we are both vaxxed and we upgraded our plans. We're driving across country, just the two of us, and hitting up everything we've ever wanted to see between the East Coast and the West Coast. Oh my gosh, this is so fun. We couldn't have done it without the help of our friends and family and, of course, our two wonderful daughters. We feel so incredibly lucky and we can't wait to hit the road and see this great country and visit some old friends along the way. We also look forward to listening to many great podcasts such as yours along the way. (laughs) Pet tax photo. The first is of our 14-year-old dog, Precious. Oh, so cute. And our one-year-old cat, Binks. The second photo is our three-year-old cat, Misty, who is an expert at getting into the drop ceiling. Oh, my God. Stop. That might be the cutest. Oh, my gosh. Right, Binks? The cutest cat. I think that might be the cutest picture of a cat I've ever seen. And then the second one is the three-year-old cat, Misty, who's an expert. Oh, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That looks like the cat, you know, the the famous, the cat is watching you masturbate meme. Oh, my God. That happens. People have this. People use this as their Zoom background. Like, (laughs) and there she is. Oh my God, it's so cute. That's a memeable picture. Yeah. Okay, I found found the idiom. Oh, cool. It's lo barato sale caro, which is Mm -hmm. the cheap comes out expensive. And it's so true. And my my parents say it all the time. And it's just like, and also there's another one that I don't remember in Spanish, but it's like, uh, like fast money, uh, like money that comes fast leaves fast or something like that. Yeah, that's very true. Very wise. Don Jr. <laughs> Money that comes fast leaves up yes. your nose. <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, I, that rolls around in my head every time I'm like, should I buy the, you know, should I buy the $10 uh, workout pants or should I drop the money on the Lulus? And I'm like, drop it on the Lulus because you'll have them yeah. for five extra years. Yes, at least. I've had all my Lulus for at least five years yeah. and they're all the same exact as when I bought yeah, exactly. them. Yeah. Yep, so. yep, yep, yep. Right on. Well, thank you. I appreciate you joining me today for the good news and I hope everyone has a good weekend. If you have anything you want to send in to us and I also want to hear how they get their white supremacist gang nicknames. Yes, Linda specifically. <laughs> do that yeah linda and one o'clock doug <laughs> uh, you can send those in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact do you have any uh final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend amy have a great weekend and especially if you're traveling stay safe and uh you know i don't know 
stay dry. I don't know. It's raining on the East Coast. Stay dry. No, no. Keep your powder dry. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And hey, I hope you're having a blast shooting this this movie that you're doing. I am. It's very, very fun. And I did get to wear a wig. Wig. Yeah. And because they're supposed to age me to 39. And I was like, OK, I'm not that far from 39. So I thought they were going to like give me a suit. No, no. They gave me a wig, a mom wig. And they they make, gave me wrinkles and age spots. I'm like. I hate Hollywood. <laughs> 39 is young, man. I hate when they trick you like that. I know. Like, I'm like, oh, so she's unfuckable because she's 39? You couldn't actually hire a 39-year-old? I'm glad you got the part, though. Yes. There's so many 39-year-old out-of-work actresses, like Simone Mangiante, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Papadopoulos' old girlfriend. Oh, right. My character ages in the movie. Oh, oh, yes. oh. Okay, well, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. But yeah, I remember when I they fucking trick you. I remember I was in a movie called Father's Day, right? With uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, wait, I saw that. With Robin Williams and um, yes. Billy Crystal. And when we filmed it, we were at a concert in a mosh pit. Like we were all punks right. moshing in a mosh pit. And the band we were moshing to was the Muffs, right? A really fucking cool band that I would totally mosh to. But in the final cut, right. they put fucking, I think it was the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones or Sugar Ray or something. Something I would never be caught dead moshing to. So now oh, forever, my God. I am trapped in celluloid history. <gasps> As moshing to some shit band. I'm so upset. <laughs> so upset I need to watch that movie again. I love I what? I didn't know this. Okay. I love it. Yeah. I'm gonna watch if, it again. And if you had told me it was gonna be the boss tones, I mean they're okay, but I wouldn't be moshing. I'd be skanking. No, you, you know, like Yeah, you yeah, you'd be doing something else. So everyone now thinks <sighs> that you mosh to sugar ray. Yeah, or that mm, I don't know what the appropriate rough. dance Every is. Every morning there's a halo <laughs> from the corner. I wish you could see Amy thrashing around. <laughs> That's me moshing. Awesome. Uh, well, everybody, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Amy, it's been great to see you. We'll see you next week. Great and, to see you. And until Monday, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.